Uh, it is 3.24 in the afternoon on January 15th, 2014, and I just got some really bad news in the mail. I just received finally a court document, and it is a proposed, approved, re-amended final judgment from the magistrate from the hearing on the 16th of October that I did not go because the Lord did not provide and told me he would take care of it. And um, I just received the proposed amended final judgment being sent back to the uh, Sally Kess judge to have her sign off on it. It's been all approved by the magistrate and it completely reversed everything that is in my story. It, it completely reversed um, everything that I can think of. It, it now has the $125,000 imputation of income back in it. It now has that I owe her about $16,000. It now has that I have to pay the 75%, that I have to have the $200,000 in insurance, that she gets to have them two times during the summertime in my visitation. It, it is a complete reversal on paper of what I believe God did for me in a miraculous way. The last couple of days, God's been showing me this number 1055. I've been seeing this number 1055 and I kind of was wondering, what does that mean, Lord? You know, what what's the point of that? The scripture is, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. I find this very odd. This is Psalm 105.5, I've been seeing this number every single day, sometimes twice a day, for the last three or four days. And now here it is. I get this complete reversal, which if this stands, that means I have to redo my story or add to it, and it basically nullifies and takes away all that God has done. Immediately, I began to feel sadness well up in me and heart starting to race. I got on my face and said, Lord, help me. I think I'm going to throw up here. What's going on? And I had this for about four or five minutes. And then I got up and I started to just walk and think. I sat down, I prayed, and all of a sudden this peace just settled in me. And instead of looking at these circumstances, again, I'm putting into practice my faith, my faith in God. God has said, and as I began to even just pick up my faith scriptures, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I just began to feel this supernatural peace. I've never been able to turn around from such bad news in four or five minutes this quick. I mean, this is a really bad news. Really bad news. This is a... I can't even downplay how big bad news this is. And yet, I have this peace. And I said, Lord, I know this is not being, me being naive, but I'm not going to quit believing in you. You didn't do all of this for no reason. And all of the hard work, and I feel absolutely certain that I have heard correctly from the Lord on these things. There have been times when I've said, God, I need a sign. I need to know I'm okay. And I turned around and looked, and the clock was at 11.01. 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And one thing I am certain of is that this is an additional test of my faith. This is very similar to Jacob and Esau. And here it is. I have said and declared that almost every single time God asks you to do something or he's about to give you, you know, you're waiting for victory or deliverance and he's giving you a promise for it. There will almost always be circumstances that completely contradict. And that is what I just had in my hands. I have evidence on paper that completely contradicts the promise of the 777 and the 555s and the 666s. Why would God have warned me throughout that whole time, given me the promise of the 777, tell me that what his hand is purposed, no one can turn back, and now have it that in fact it's been turned back? Have I all of a sudden disobeyed God? Is it possible that I've, you know, done something to, uh, no, that's not very likely, it's possible, but it's not very likely. I am, if anything, much further along the road, and it couldn't have happened at a, at a weirder time here. I've just left my church, and I'm dealing with all the heat from this, and I have no money, I'm totally broke and totally weight dependent upon the Lord, and then this major problem thing hits, the first thought I had, that's it, I got to get a job, everything I'm waiting for is a lie. First first thought hits. And now I'm going to just be calm, and I'm going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to recognize that in Isaiah 26.3 it says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. John 14.1 For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything He does. How am I not to know that God doesn't want to put a check for $300,000 in the mail to me right behind this? I mean, for all I know, how do I not know that God doesn't want to do that? I would delight in paying my my ex-wife that, that money. I, I've God already knows I've asked Him to bless me with the finances to do it, so... I don't know what God is going to do, but I'm going to trust because there is once again some some things that are said about me in this thing that are not true, and they were able to slip some things that are clearly dishonest in, and God sees it, and I trust Him for it. I trust Him for it, and I'm going to continue to return kindness to them. I'm going to continue to trust Him. It doesn't make me feel mad at them at all, and I think the thing that I am the most shocked about is the peace that I have just received, it just completely displaced the fear. And um, I, I'll just trust God. I'll trust God. Who knows what that final judgment's going to be like when I finally get it back, if God wants to do this again. Maybe God wants to do this again and let them feel like, oh, we got him now, we got him. Um, and I, I don't know. All I know is that I am going to trust my Father. I am at a place where I can't defend. I have nothing, not a dollar to defend myself. I am completely vulnerable. I am completely humbled. I have no resources. I have anything. There's no reason to believe I'm anything but a fool living on a wish and having a fantasy here. But I, I trust my God. I trust Him. And I know that he knows that I love him and I'm doing the best I can to obey him and to teach others. And so I'm going to rest in the peace that he provides instead of being panicked and flipped out and anxious. 
I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. This is what we have got to do when circumstances, adversity, affliction, tribulation fly in the face of a promise from God. And you can know that you've done the right part, right thing, and others have done wrong. Then you can, then you can completely trust God. I'm going to completely trust him. It's time to pray. Michael Commentary. Wow. I continue to be so thankful to God for him having moved my heart to capture these recordings, brothers and sisters. This is remarkable evidence of God. It is so special for me to be sitting here, you know, six plus years later, today being January 29th, 2020, the world kind of reaching the climax, almost the climax of this coronavirus crisis. And here I am able to reflect back on this amazing faithfulness of God and share it with you. Here we are six plus years later. You hear this recording. It's nothing but bad news, a total contradiction of all that is good that is in God, of all that I've hoped for, of all that he's promised me. And once again, listen to how God is guiding me. This is incredible. God had told me that I would not have to go to court, that I could trust him, remember? And he did not provide me the finances. These recordings were already, you know, covered in a few back, few episodes back where my parents offered the money and I said, no, it has to come from God alone. Somebody else has to provide. And I was not able to go to this court hearing and God had kept showing me the 777s. That was a sign of a reminder of his judgments and of his protection and of his promises. And I would see the 555s from page 555 in my Bible, Jerusalem's deliverance foretold. So God had given me this promise that I could trust him and he did not provide the finances I need in order to even appear in court. And so they were able, as you now know, to get all of those glorious things, the miracles that are in the series, Trusting God in the Crisis, where God miraculously defended me and removed all this nonsense out of the final judgment, gave me this incredible victory. This is now the recording where it shows they were able to get it all put back in, like a total reversal of all of God's goodness and faithfulness. And then notice, in past recordings, God has already started showing me this number 1055, which was taking me to Psalm 105.5, which says, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. Here again is the living God by his providence directing me to the living word, which is peculiar to my exact needs. And watch this. He's been showing it to me in advance of the need. So many times over 11 years, I've seen God begin to point me to a scripture and it doesn't seem to be very relevant to what's going on in my life. But after a few days or weeks, in this case, just a few days, suddenly I see now why God was giving me this living bread. He gave me bread before I even needed it to show me, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he's pronounced. See, he was trying to teach me to not fail where the Israelites failed. 
They and many Christians fail by forgetting all of God's goodnesses. Right now, so many Christians, their faith is being proven shallow. Their faith is being proven weak simply by this invisible coronavirus. Suddenly, their finances are being touched. Their family is being touched. Their business is being touched. Their church their socialization, their Bible studies, their income, their comforts, their freedoms, all of these things that are of this world are being touched. And this is proving or testing their faith. Many, many Christians right now are finding out if they have true faith in God. And most Christians, even if they have had true faith in God, it's so easy for us to forget God's past faithfulness, which ensures and gives us stepping stones to walk on in seasons of current faithfulness. For example, I'm being completely unimpacted by coronavirus. I have had not the first inkling of fear or any worry or concern for myself or my family. We do live, uh, you know, common sense. The Bible says a prudent man sees danger and takes avoidance. The simple-minded man keeps going and suffers for it. So, you know, I'm very good about washing my hands and hand sanitizer, and I don't go out and touch things a lot. So I'm taking the basic common sense moves, but I have no fear for my family, for Persis, for Tyler, my parents, my children. I have no concern about my finances, no concern about my ministry, my home, this world, the impact, none of that because I'm trusting in the sovereign God who's sovereign not only in my life, but over the lives of all who trust him and even over all the lives of those who do not. And so it's very easy for me to remain strong when I'm constantly remembering what God has done. This is a command and this is where the Israelites failed. They forgot to remember his miracles, his wonders, and his judgments. I find this so incredible. God is showing me this passage of scripture in the face of the fact that he knows I'm getting ready to see a total reversal in the court papers of this amazing miracle he's given. And so I went to God in my fear. I want you to remember, maybe go listen to this recording again to see how did I respond to this. And you respond to tragedy the same way no matter what. I went to God in my fear and I put to practice my faith. I went to him and I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. And I began to uh, stir up my faith and I began to pray to him and ask him for his counsel and guidance. And I encouraged myself with scriptures. I started to quote and anchor in the word of God. This is what I do through all the storms that God's allowed me to go in as I grab a hold of his word and I anchor in that word. And then that supernatural peace. See, it's not entirely up to me. A Bible verse cannot carry you without the grace of God and the spirit of God behind the Bible verse. So I needed to be able to encourage myself with scriptures. This is allowing God to see my faith. Jesus says, and now I saw their faith. So Jesus sees my faith when I'm going to his word, anchoring in it. And then God brings this grace, that supernatural peace. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your hearts. Or John 14, 27, peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. I do not give as the world gives. That peace came into my heart. See, this is the the actual teachings of Jesus Christ being lived out, practiced, and showing themselves to be true and alive and vibrant and effective. Brothers and sisters, please don't miss this. This is real. This is not a sermon that's being preached about peace, about faith, about getting through tribulation. This is a life that lived through it, that proved God's faithfulness is true and still does. Hallelujah. 
Remember, the circumstances that contradict the promise, they always have to be there. And here is a total reversal. See, watch. God at this point has grown my faith enough to where he can show me a total reversal of the circumstances that happened in court, of the deliverance that he gave me. And I can still, within a matter of four to five minutes of seeing the reversal, with God's help, practicing my disciplines, be right back in that place of trusting in him, hoping in him, and knowing he's in total control of this. And then, of course, the temptations that came into my heart. Satan comes with his attacks and he comes and he says, oh, see, you've sinned. You've done something wrong. You've disobeyed God. He came with these accusatory thoughts to let me believe that I somehow or another deserved this. I didn't deserve this as evidenced by the history that comes after this. And so this was my faith being tested. This is how God grows me up in my faith, how he grows you up in your faith. And after you've had these experiences dozens and dozens of time, you can say like Peter, we have received in Second Peter chapter 1, have you received a faith as precious as ours? This is how you know you have received the kind of faith that can save you, a precious faith, the kind that can allow you to walk on stormy waters. But there it was, Satan's tempting thoughts to get me to wonder if I'd done something wrong. And then the temptation to quickly save myself, to say, that's it. I'm not going to sit here and wait anymore and continue to be a fool. Brothers and sisters, think of all the recordings that you heard where I'm like right at the moment of wanting to quit and God's telling me you have no idea the cost if you quit. And now here I am with even greater evidence I've played a fool. My God has forsaken me. Somehow or another, I've maybe sinned and caused the the favor of God to leave my life. This is all my fault. I need to take matters into my own hands, quit trusting in God and deliver myself. Oh, what strong temptation. And yet I resist. Okay, so now let me tell you the great news, and it's not much of a spoiler alert here because I've already shared this whole story openly in the Trusting God in the Crisis series. If you have not seen that series, you must go watch it. It'll be even more valuable to you after you've heard some of these real-time events and struggles that happened along the way. But all these years later, six plus years later, January 29th, 2020, all of those things that they were able to get put back into that uh, final divorce decree, falsely, lying, manipulating, okay? The financial things primarily because for her, it was all about money. Every single thing they got put back in there, God has protected me from to this day, and I have not been touched by a single one of them. Brothers and sisters, Do you remember me mentioning how I was wrestling with the idea of could God's purposes or hand be thwarted? That no, I believed in faith that nobody could turn when God has acted. Who can reverse it? When God has purposed, who can thwart it, the scriptures say. And so here it is proof that even though the circumstances on earth contradicted, my judgment is in heaven. My judge is in heaven. He's the sovereign of all the earth, but my God can give me justice even when earth cannot. This is so incredible. The Bible says men seek an audience with princes and rulers, but it is from the Lord that justice comes. And so here you can see, even when an earthly court cannot render justice, God gave me justice exactly as it says on page 777 of my 10th anniversary NIV 1984 edition Bible. This is incredible. God indeed telling me 1055, Psalm 105.5, remember the judgments he pronounced, the miracles he did, the wonders. Remember, 
And that's evidence that if God did those, he did them for a reason. And when God acts, nobody can turn it. And so perhaps you've heard in the other series, Taken Captive, where I explain the amazing story of getting back my son, Tyler, after six and a half years of parental alienation. I captured that moment in court where my ex-wife is crying out to the judge saying, for 10 years, she's been taking me back to court. And the court has done nothing. Brothers and sisters, it's not that the court hasn't done anything. It's that God has not allowed any earthly court to reverse or to inflict harm on me in any way other than his righteous decreed judgments on my behalf. That is proof of the living God over and over and over again. This is remarkable evidence. I praise God all these years later. God has kept his promise and I've not been touched in any way other than by parental alienation, which God has been pleased to allow. Nothing. Now do you see why it's so valuable for me to have these recordings to reflect back God, the living God, using numbers to speak to me that people still want to say they don't believe hogwash. And it's not my responsibility to try to convince those who don't want to believe the evidence is in the reality of years of my life, of being guided and directed by God. Do you see how incredible this is? Oh, may you continue to be as blessed as I am as you listen. End of commentary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today is uh, December 16th, 2014. It's 2.02 in the afternoon. Yesterday is the day uh, that if, that I got that letter from the court, and today I have seen 777 three times in the last three minutes. We went to Barnes & Noble. My friend Chris bought something, used my discount code, and his total came up to $77.07. We get in the car 90 seconds later. We're pulling out of the parking lot. My eyes go right to a license plate, 777. Four minutes later, we're driving down I-565. I'm having a conversation with him. I look up, and there's a 777 on the license plate. God's been showing me 1055, Psalm 1055. Remember his miracles. Remember his marvelous deeds. Remember his acts of judgment. And that, of course, is 777 for me. It was 555 this morning when I looked at my clock, and this is awesome. This is like... Right before court, God did the 777 stuff like this. So in like less than five minutes, I just saw it three times. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Remember to give credit to Chris in the acknowledgement section of the book. <laughs> <laughs> this was his idea. It is uh, 3.05 on January 16, 2014. I just wanted to capture quickly that... Uh, my my mom comes to me this morning with another one of those. We want to talk to you for a few minutes, conversations. Sits me down, begins to rail on me after she asks me how I'm doing. And I say, I'm still staying the course. I'm still waiting and trusting. And it starts out with, can I just make one observation? Can I just tell you one thing that I'm seeing? And this is how they always start out. Next thing I know, I'm sitting there 30 minutes later still trying to defend God's truth and trying to defend my position to hold on to it and continue to obey. And it's like, round and round we go, wherever we stop, nobody knows. So, 30 minutes into it, there's a phone call. My mom answers it. It's Chris. And I get up. I'm talking to him. He says, hey, can you can you meet sooner? And uh, 
I was excited to hear this phone call coming right in the middle of while we're having this conversation. And I go over to look and see when I can meet him, and it's 9.19. And I say, Chris, it's 9.19 right now when he's calling, and that's the number that God always shows me right before or after, and now I can even say during <laughs> the time that my parents are coming to me trying to get me to move off of being obedient to the Lord. And then we went to the bookstore. We ended up seeing the 777 three times. We get to dinner. We were just talking about the praising God in advance for the deliverance and that we were out today having a celebration dinner in spite of the, the negativity. We were out having a nice little steak celebrating in advance what God is going to do. And I also don't want to forget that yesterday, before this happened this morning, or it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday. I think it was the day before yesterday we were in Chris's car and he was listening to the station that had 777. There was all these, there was two sets of 777s on his little display thing there and I noticed it yesterday. Around 8.40, my mom comes out and says, oh, Michael, we'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Another one of those talks. Sits me down, asks me, how do I think I'm doing? Is there anything new? It's always that way. It's always, this placates me with this, you know, how do you think you're doing? Anything new? Have you heard anything from God type of thing? And then she says, well, you know, I just have one observation I want to make. That's the way the conversation always starts. And then it's 40 minutes and we're still arguing over biblical interpretation and why I'm mentally ill. It's, 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 it's comical and sad all at the same time. But again, her contention is I'm not living what the Bible says because I'm not working and I'm not providing for my family. Not understanding that I have a direct commandment from the Lord to sit still. It's not that my God has asked me not to provide for my kids or to do mean to them. It's that my God has told me to sit still. He's wrapped my hands and I get a choice. Do I want to obey and, and be willing to look like an idiot or will I try to save myself when the pressure gets in? So I've been really passionate about defending the truth. But before we went in, I asked the Lord to put a seal over my mouth and protect me. And I just asked for, for the Lord to, to, to protect me and to save me out of the conversation. You know, just to protect me during it. And my mom is still convinced that I have this chemical imbalance, mental illness thing. I forget what it's called. She's convinced. And she says, mark my word. When you change course again, because you never finish what you start. This is what my mom says. When you change to something else... That will be proof you have this, this issue. She's confusing the fact that I'm learning more and more about Christianity and my faith, and I'm changing churches. I'm going from charismatic to reformed. I'm done with the charismatic movement and all the nonsense and the people that think they have the corner on, on the spirit-filled life and think that because I don't have uh, tongues that I'm not spirit-filled Christian. That is ridiculous. It's absolutely heretical. It's ridiculous. It's an insult to God. It's terrible. So I'm leaving my church. I'm not changing my direction, as she claims. So they basically said that, my mom basically said, now I know you are not well, and I'm praying for you, and I believe God can heal you, and I, I believe you have an anointing. And I said, nope, stop right there. No, no, let me, nope, stop right there. Mom, you cannot, out of both sides of your mouth, one time say I have an anointing, and the other side have a mental illness. The, the, the delusion that it takes to say something like that is ridiculous. To say that I have an anointing from God and yet I'm mentally ill on the other side. You can't have both. That would make God an idiot. It is ridiculous. 
and I see, I sit here and see her. It's all I can do to keep from throwing up after hearing this over and over and over again. She blasphemes the truth of God, completely perverts the truth of God, absolutely has no faith in Him, claims her life is so changed because she's hanging around with all these people, and all of these people are busy chasing conferences and false teachers. My mom's getting ready to go to a freaking Jesse Duplantis conference with somebody. He's one of the biggest prosperity wolves on the planet. I mean, just, she's completely deceived. And I get so indignant towards the misuse of God's truth or towards the perversion and just towards the blind eyes. Now, I, I, I'm actually being very open and transparent now. I was, I was not uh, disrespectful. I was passionate talk with them and so but my mom is saying full on I believe God can use you one day but there's no way he can effectively use you now and I said mom do you hear what you are saying I started rattling off the list of people who were going to kill themselves and ended up at my website talked about Chris talked about Mary talked about Robert on the trail talked about David whose life has radically changed talked about Mike and talked about Wes who says man you turned my life around you helped me Bobby Junkin all of these guys and now my mom is saying that God cannot effectively use me because I have this illness. But that I believe one day He can heal you, Michael, and that God can use you. I mean, it is so, uh, so obvious where this is coming from. It's not even funny. So, I sat and once again listened and I felt like, oh my goodness, round and round we go, wherever we stop. We surely know. This is the same old tune. Can't the devil come up with something new? This all the timing of this is fantastic. It's just after the day that I've received that bad news in that court report. The day before I received that, I saw 777 like twice. I got it yesterday, this morning with Chris. We see 777 three times in five minutes. And I was so thankful and I just knew I had seen 1122 this morning. I saw 555. That's I will deliver you. I saw 616 take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then an 1122 when I was at the Bible study have faith in God. And then the 777s just filled me up. Filled me up. So even though I'm, I'm always disappointed when I see this just blindness. I can't imagine how Jesus must have felt. You have ears but cannot hear. You have eyes but cannot see. I begged my mother to have their eyes open. I said, guys, you're in the middle of witnessing one of the greatest miracles God ever does when he changes a man's heart. You're, you, would you open your eyes and watch this? What is so hard for you to understand about the fact that my whole life I was a fool and God is having to use this season to grow me up into a man such that I don't have fear and I now trust God? most of the time and I'm obedient and just because you don't like it and it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean I'm mentally ill just because I have faith in my God doesn't mean I'm blindly optimistic because I have a chemical imbalance I'm just so sick of having my life be like some radical example of faith when all I'm doing is desperately trying to obey my father like we're supposed to do like all Christians are called to a level of faith in God and somehow or another, my faith is so radical that it causes everybody to have heartburn. It's because they've never had to walk in true faith and sacrificial faith. I said to my mom, I said, you, you, you got this wrong. I said, as a Christian, you have to ask yourself, what did I have to walk away from for Jesus Christ? What did I have to sacrifice and give up? What's, where, where's the suffering I've had to go through? Because the Bible says you don't get to participate in His glory unless you participate in His suffering. 
Where's the suffering? Where's the giving up of something? He says you got to give up everything. Show me one thing that you've given up. One thing. And I said, you have such a hard time because I have a guy who has surrendered it all. I probably make them that uncomfortable such that they want to discredit my lifestyle so that they don't have to live it. Because from where they're at, who would want this kind of Christianity? And they don't realize I have absolute amazing contentment. That I am incredibly content and filled with joy. Do I have moments of fear and doubt? Absolutely. Has it been hard as you know what? Yes. It's been difficult. But I tell you what, my God is faithful. My God will deliver me. I believe the God of the Bible, not the God of who was, the God of who has been, or the God who's impotent, or the God who once was. No, I believe the God of the Bible. He's the living, breathing God who can do miracles and provision, and He has upheld me by His grace. I know that the Lord has allowed all of this to happen for a reason. He's allowed this exact circumstance of me not paying the child support to drive my parents and other people crazy, and it's the one clear evidence. I mean, let's face it. The Bible does say that unless a man takes care of his immediate family, he's worse than a non-believer. But that's not, that's a, that's a, that speaks to willingness, not ability. My heart burns to take care of my kids. I have cried and begged the Father, Lord, please provide for me so that I can take care of my, my kids and provide for my enemy and, and bless my enemy. God knows that's my heart. But He's allowed me by having to tell me to sit still Incidentally, as if it couldn't get any more clear than this, God is so faithful to, to mark my every step and guide me while I'm on the phone, or actually while I'm talking to my parents, the phone rings, it's Chris. He never calls. He calls. He says, can you get together earlier, Mike, instead of one o'clock? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, let me see. And I looked over at the time and he calls at 9.19. And I said, well, it's 9.19 right now, Chris, while I'm talking with my parents. This is the number again, Numbers 919, and while the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed God and did not set out. This is the number that God shows me, bless his heart, bless him for doing this every single time before my mom contacts me to have one of these quote talks before or after. I'll see the 919. Last night on the way home, talking with her uh, yesterday on the way to Starbucks, we get a phone call on Chris's phone. I never even said anything to Chris. It pops up the phone number. It's his daughter. Her phone number is 919. There it is. It's sandwiched. He showed me the 919 yesterday. He showed me this 919 in the middle of the call. That's incredible. It's astonishing. And because of God doing stuff like that, that's his divine providence, his divine intervention into my life. Because he does these things, that it gives you, it gives me the strength to. It, it enables me to have what looks like superhero faith, because I don't have it without God helping me. But this has been another season of growing, and I. Uh, the thing that happened yesterday when I got that paperwork, that I want to make sure I make this very clear. When I got that paperwork yesterday, I felt my heart start to race, my stomach started to get upset. I got on my knees, I started to breathe heavy. I was like, "This cannot be happening! No, God, no!" No, Lord, no, this can't be. This panic came over me. An absolute panic. I got on my knees immediately and went into prayer. And I'm telling you, a peace came upon me like I haven't felt come upon me that quick. I don't think the entire time I've been going through anything, it was immediate, it was sudden, it was total, it was complete. I stood up a few minutes later and I'm like, 
oh my goodness, it hasn't been more than four or five minutes since I opened up this paperwork, and it's as if I never even got the paperwork. It's like all of a sudden, in a minute, this wall of faith just lifted me up. It was just like a dramatic filling. I mean, God just filled me to overflowing with faith. In an immediate minute, I was able to then go, okay, God, you got it. I gave it back to him. And now I'm like, even now getting goosebumps, just thinking about how powerful that was. You know, this is the the grace of God made available. This is that scripture. You know, my prayer is that you may be filled with hope and peace from the God of all peace, the Holy Spirit. May he fill you up. And that's exactly what happened. I was filled up with the peace and the comfort and the and the joy of seeing this happen it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and so once again you know i if i put my eyes on my circumstances i go great all this last 3 years was for nothing the whole story i have to rip it down the whole trial is gone god's been defeated the whole 7776665555 it was all for nothing him showing me page 777 of my bible it was a waste of time because in the end the devil was stronger than god and he wiped it out and he turned it all around no That's not the God I serve. And this is not me saying this out of blind optimism like it was when I said, well, God will deliver me in my gym business. No, this is different. This is God telling me he will deliver me and me simply believing that he will do what he said. Not me doing something in faith and thinking God will cover my tracks and God will fix it and take care of it and bless it because it was something I had faith for rather than him. It's important to remember that point. And so now, God has once again encouraged me with all these 777s five times in 24 hours. Both sides of the letter coming. It's incredible. It's incredible. God once again saying, Michael, I can render. I mean, how unbelievably awesome is that? How unbelievably, how unbelievably awesome that God does this. I mean, it just makes me want to just shout for joy. And people think I have a mental illness because I'm having this amazing experience with my God. Man. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, please, Father, forgive them for their ignorance and their blind eyes. And Lord, I thank you for using the blind eyes the stopped up ears, and I thank you for using the spirit of darkness, Lord, to come against me like this to help me grow in you. I thank you, Lord. I mean, this story is so absolutely mind-blowing, incredibly cool. I am at a point right now, here it is, January 16th, I think it is. I have had to send an email to my pastor today. And this is the email. My mother went behind my back and went to my pastor, and as she has done with my two of my best friends, Larry and Trish, and every other woman from her Bible, all these women from her Bible study, people at church, my mom has managed to get everybody completely freaked out, and finally, my pastor reaches out, my mom meets with him two days ago, I knew it, I, I recorded it, and so my mom ended up, did going and meeting with him, and I knew it, so today I get an email from my pastor, and here's what it says, it says, Hey, Michael, I pray you're doing well. I would really like to get together soon with all caps. I've had you on my heart a lot and need to check in and check up. Please give me a call or just email me back. Love you, brother, Pastor Rusty. So I knew I was going to have to have this conversation soon. Here's my exact email to Rusty. Hey, Rusty, I do appreciate your heart and your concern, and I know you would be concerned for my well-being even if my mom hadn't reached out to you with her own concern. 
I know you would feel this way about any of the sheep under your eye, and I do appreciate your heart, but I suspect you realize, quote, God has Michael Criswell. And even if Michael is wrong, God will work it all out and use it as a wonderful teaching experience. In other words, fear not. I'm in the hands of the Master. I find it so odd and so disappointing that people panic like this when God asks His children to actually do the difficult and unexplainable and unreasonable things that we all preach about and read in His Word, but apparently never expect to have to participate in. My radical faith in a radical God who demands radical faith is causing heartburn, but only for those who have never walked in a sacrificial path of obedience to Christ. As you absolutely know, when Christ said, quote, unless you give up everything, he really meant it, including one's own dignity. The evidence that God is with me and that I'm on the right path is undeniable in my continually transformed heart and in the lives of those all around me. I've become poor so that others are becoming rich and I will not trade it for the world. My own mother thinks I have mental illness and she's driven by nonstop fear and panic. And so I say, quote, no, King Agrippa, I'm not out of my mind or insane as you claim. And like Paul, I say, quote, if I am out of my mind, it is for God's sake. Honestly, I'm only saying these things for your sake. I have no desire or energy to continually defend myself to all the people my mom runs to trying to manipulate this outcome. Will someone please trust God? I have made my bed with the Lord and I'm willing to sleep in it. Regardless of how insane or stupid or reckless or irresponsible or unbiblical or selfish or egotistical it may all look. I hope you understand. I am committed to a one-track mind called obedience to the Lord. On a completely different subject. Rusty, there's no easy way to explain all that's transpired in my walk of late, so I won't. But the reason I'm leaving the church can best be summarized by this. For months, I began seeing things in the lives of others in the church who claimed to be true, quote, spirit-filled followers of Christ and yet who had chronic areas of rebellion or sin or deceit. Every church has hypocrites and lukewarm believers, but of the groups I was in, it became overwhelming to see. As you know, when I stumbled with even though I told her no 30 times, I cried for three days in brokenness because I dishonored the Lord in that one moment. Hate for blatant sin burns in me and I am not able to live like that. I am not able to live in rebellion or disobedience. When these people came to me, I presented the truth of Scripture to them and admonished them to see the truth. None of them wanted to hear it. Two of them even ran to you. I was so confused on how the people that claim to have the corner on the, quote, spirit-filled life can continue to sit in church week after week and live outside the will of God, all the while thinking they are saved. This is not the true gospel I see in Scripture at all. I don't see the, quote, new creations in seasoned believers of many years. Something is terribly wrong. After months of lamenting about this and being confused, a book was given to me called Strange Fire by John MacArthur. I read the book, cross-referenced everything in the scripture, watched the entire 15-hour conference, and spent over 100 hours studying the subject. Shortly after that, I read the book called The Gospel According to Jesus. These books brought clarity to my confusion and gave me a richer appreciation for the word and sound doctrine. After reading and studying, I have a much better understanding of the doctrine of the charismatic church, and I do not agree with it. It would be my hope you might consider reading either of these books. I'm deeply concerned about the drastic separation between faith and faithfulness that I see in many in the church. Again, I appreciate your concern and I do appreciate your heart, Rusty. I simply do not share the theological and doctrinal views of the church anymore. Bless you, Pastor Rusty. So now I have my, apparently Pastor Rusty reached out to Larry and Trish. Apparently, my mom has obviously gotten this pot stirred up so well, she's gotten everybody thinking I'm completely nuts and all of these crazy things are happening. So, I am virtually all alone, and yet I have this one friend of mine. 
this one man, Chris, and actually two other guys in my Bible study, Bobby Junkin and Wes Jones, are sticking by me tight. They told me yesterday, Michael, wherever you go, we're following you. You have made a difference in our lives. We know God is with you. They blessed me so much. So I have three friends, one really close guy, because I meet with him every day, that are sticking with me. And every, actually, my friend in Florida understands too, but I haven't told Gustavo a whole lot about some of the details and stuff. But I have just a, a core group of friends and this one guy, Chris, who is sticking with me through this and believing. And he said today, he said, boy, are they going to feel bad when God delivers you. This is a fairly new believer who, whose life is completely changing. His interests are changing. The kind of music he listens to is changing. How he eats is changing. The people he hangs out with is changing. His thoughts towards women is changing. I mean, this guy, God is changing him wonderfully. He's reading his Bible every day. He's listening to Charles Stanley on his walks. God is totally transforming that guy from the inside out. It's incredible. And he's sticking with me. He believes, and he's a new believer. I mean, he's coming right in at for the most part, very radical observations of faith with, with being next to me. So I am once again convinced and prepared to see what God is going to do that's going to be awesome. Yesterday in prayer, I immediately said, Father, it wouldn't be anything for you to provide for me a wonderful amount of finances with which to take care of and pay all these fines now that I'm going to have to pay from the court and all these monies I'm going to give her. That would be nothing for you if for some reason you're going to allow this judgment to be overturned. It wouldn't be anything. And I just, I rested in him. And I'm like, no matter what, he can he can do it. I do not feel like I'm supposed to do anything. I don't feel like I'm supposed to defend, you know, and try to get an attorney again. I don't feel like I'm supposed to, you know, in fact, I know I'm not. And the, the, all the 777s, once again, God confirming he's got this. I don't have to do anything. Now, they claim that because I didn't go to the October 16th thing, the October 16th trial, which I told the Lord, Father, if you want me to go, I'm gonna, you're going to have to provide. He didn't provide the money, and he had showed me 777s multiple times. Well, in the document, they pointed out that because I didn't come and I didn't provide this right information and lies, I did provide the information. It's, it's all, they were able to get lies put in it again that I didn't appear. And so maybe that has some weight in their decision. I, I don't necessarily think so. But I think what has happened again is that her attorney was slick enough again to get old stuff put back into the final judgment. And so now I'm at, what should I do? Should I contact the judge and go, wait, 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 look. And I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that at all. I feel like the Lord has once again shown me he's got the battle. He will take care of this. He will defend me. I do not have to do anything. So I'm not going to try to defend myself in any way. I'm not going to send the first email to the judge. I'm not going to contact the court. I'm not going to file anything with the court. I am going to totally trust God that he will take care of this. And why am I doing that? Because God has shown me all these 777s in the 555. That's him saying he will deliver me. So this is going to be really awesome. I mean, this is another opportunity for God to radically affect an outcome and show his glory off again. That no matter how hard you try... You cannot overturn or turn back God's hand. Now, in the natural, I should look at this and have a total panic. I should go, oh my goodness, I did for four minutes. And then when I prayed, it immediately went away. I'm not talking about, okay, I, I think I can feel a little better. All right, I can, no. It was super natural. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, submit your request to God and the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He will keep in perfect peace. He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And there it is. I'm experiencing it. Praise be to the Lord. I can't wait to see how God turns this whole thing around. I am all alone. I am, I have, just like the psalmist, I've been forsaken. My, my mother and father forsake me and think I'm an idiot. And, and now I'm being accused of following a guy, John MacArthur, who's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. My mom, first thing she says to me when I walk in from my meeting with Chris today, she's been thinking about it. And you know that unforgivable sin? It sounds to me like this guy, John MacArthur, is doing So she's already building a case now against John MacArthur, trying to rip down John MacArthur. Whoever, so whoever I make it about... It's, it's, she's going to try and rip it down. Satan just throwing darts left and right and left and right. And again, you could say, well, how do you know if you're right in all this? You look at the fruit. I stopped Chris on the way into Barnes & Noble. And I said, Chris, never forget this point. And children, if you hear this message, I know you will one day. I record a lot of these messages with you in mind. And I want you to remember this one point right here. The greatest test of knowing whether you're in the will of God or outside the will of God, number one, is, first of all, if you don't have peace about it, you shouldn't be doing it, number one. But the greatest test, if you ever get yourself in a battle like this, where it's your word against somebody else's and you're confused and the enemy is throwing crazy darts at you and accusations because the Lord has asked you to do something that is outside of normal or that is, causes other people to have doubts and anxiety and concern, and they say, this is foolish, God would never ask you to do this. Look at the fruit of the lives of the people who are throwing the darts and the questions at you. Are they true followers of Jesus Christ? If they are not, do not listen to a word they say. If you've never seen that person surrender their life and heart to Jesus Christ, meaning if they are not obedient to Him, trusting Him, following Him, they've not hurt for Him, sacrificed for Him, gone through tribulation for Him. Do not believe a word that person says under any circumstances. That is something I want you to always remember. Look at the fruit that God produces in your life versus the fruit that would be on somebody else's life before you decide to believe what somebody else may be accusing you of. Always, always remember the fruit test.